podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not Tasty Cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Except no substitutes. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Monday night is upon us again, and we're about to discuss something which potentially never happened. Not the moon landings, but rather Liverpool's alleged cup victory against Oldham. We've donned our trench coats like Mulder and Scully. The truth is out there, we're going to find it. It's the Day Trippers. about the worst centre-halves that we've seen down the Liverbird as we move on with our worst all-time 11 feature. So who would be your shittest stoppers? Now, I'm going to start here because I've got some very, very strong opinions about this. Um, my first one's kind of semi-Andy uh, shout in that it's a fella who was actually good, but he was never good for us, and that's uh, Pellegrino, um, who came with great pedigree, but never really panned out and it was basically more like Rafa's eyes and ears I think and a, and a coach in waiting so in terms of disappointment I go with him some people think that's a bit harsh considering some of the people you could pick the second one for me I don't need, think you need to be a genius to work it out is uh, Mr. Ruddock uh, he needs to uh, be in that uh, worst all time 11 for me because he's possibly the most abhorrent Liverpool footballer I've ever witnessed you really don't want to do this interview don't you I don't care about that interview you can do it <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you I love you can do it because for me for me in this whole batch of bad players he's like at the peak his head his fat roundy head is sticking out the top he's like he's like he's like the fetid cherry on top of a shitty trifle of bad players I, I think it's harsh to say it's a round head it's more of a angular square desperate Dan kind of I think head. Bulbous, you get forehead. bulbous I'm more, I'll, I'll work with bulbous how, how is it going to work so if, if we have got an interview with him and he happens to have a little I, listen I, back I, 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 I can feel a bit of a cough coming on really? so anyway Steve <laughs> Steve oh, why, why don't you tell me who you go with and um, uh, you raise or love are you yeah well listen if nothing but his three all header that would take him out of my stop talking level. about Ruddock okay. and tell me who um, you don't like oh, well there's lots I don't like um, but, but, but <laughs> I can tell you that yeah, for we, we are, we are that um, I, I think um, I think yeah Pellegrino has to go in there um, okay. ultimately he only played what 12 games for us yeah. um, and my god within about 12 minutes you could tell this bloke was just <laughs> not going to cut it um, and alongside him I, I have had a think about a few of the people I actually thought about Mark Wright 
actually, if anybody remembers the fact that he had a terrible blip in form for a few seasons. He had a, 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 a few seasons. Yeah, genuinely had a massive <laughs> he had drop. A, he had in a the, terrible blip in form for about a third of his career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for two thirds, though, you know. 66% average is good for some Liverpool signings, let's be honest. Good, but, so we're redefining no, blip here. But, yeah, or maybe, maybe yeah. I've pushed it on blip there. But, no, I think Bjorn Thor, Kavan. I think he's. Okay. I think yeah. he's in there. I thought about Torben Picnic as well. Like yeah. for me, you know. But the, uh, no, actually, you know what? I'm going to take Pellegrino out because the man has got. <laughs> I'm going to take him out. I'm going. I'm going. This I'm is going, like the hokey cokey shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm going with possibly the shittest pairing you could put together: Torben Picnic and Bjorn Torkavarn. Beautiful, because they were shite. You don't really need to say much more yeah, than that. That's, that's brilliant, James. Your shout. Um, right, okay, the first one is going to be, and there's already been a couple of players from the 90s that have been mentioned and a couple that have uh, made, made it in, or three in fact, is it, um, that have made it into the... <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm going to go with another one which is Phil Bath, because basically... Yeah. Well, I know, I know the Irish League, but come on guys, he was born in fucking Lambeth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he took he, one he, in the he, stones, he, man. He was, Liverpool, he was a Liverpool centre-back when our, our, our defence was kind of something of a punchline, even in what was a, a fairly competitive team for, for, you know, for yeah. the kind of the mid to late 90s. But, you know, £3.6 million for a centre-back nearly 20 years ago now was a heck of a lot of money. Yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, he was a bit calamitous. I mean, I remember my, the first time I went to Anfield was when we lost... Uh, 1-0 to Celta Vigo, uh, 4-1 on aggregate in uh, the UEFA Cup. It was Gerrard's first home start in two, 1998. And he, he, fucked, he, he fucked up in the first minute and we nearly conceded because of that. So, I mean, that, that lives long in the memory for me. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, second, <laughs> yeah. Um, second one, now I've finished my life story, is Gabriel Paletta. And I've, I've tried to do... I forget which one of the lads it is that's kind of trying to do, go, come at it from a sort of an interesting angle with having people like Aurelio in their worst 11. Yeah, that's Andy, yeah. natural ability. But... Paletta actually has gone on and had a good career. I mean, he was linked with moves to Milan for sort of fees in the region of 15 to 20 million euros mm, in the summer, yeah. which is, you know, that, you know, that's big money now for a centre-back. So he's one of these players who just maybe made the move to England at the wrong time, but he was on the pitch when we shipped six goals against Arsenal in the League Cup game. So, I mean, and we bet we only ever saw him in dead rubbers after that, and then he was gone. So I think for that reason, I'll throw Paletta in as a slightly obscure shout, because uh, he didn't actually play much, but when he did, he was crap. Good enough, Paletta and Bab. Very good. Paul? Uh, all, I had kind of three shouts, but all three of them have been mentioned so far. <laughs> <laughs> they were Rudolph Pellegrino and uh, Bab. Oh, Bab, Bab was my backup because of James. <laughs> Simply for the fact that all I can remember is him fucking up a few times and then hitting his stones off the post. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Neil Ruddock is, well, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's lost weight since his playing career, isn't he? Like, <laughs> just lounging about in soccer, yeah, you know, telling stories about, he, like, revels in how unprofessional he was yeah. basically so oh, yeah, he can get in the team he can yeah. uh, into the bin and into the team <laughs> the, the, the bin team yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you had to pick one of the other two who would you go with Bab or, or Pellegrino <sighs> Bab because hitting his knackers off the post wasn't it? Yeah, like that's yeah. that, that, that seals. So Pellegrino that's was it. only there for a while as well. That's yeah, a career-defining so, moment of yeah. uselessness, isn't it? Phil. Yeah, I don't think they can argue with many of the shouts. Um, Torben Picnic was it was a special case, but I. I, I remember the nineties. I remember our, our famed three centre backs, and like I thought, Mark Wright was a decent centre back. He came in, he was given the captaincy in the whole lot, as, as, as Rob Jones was talking. And he was a good player. He was just injury prone. Like he was, he was more injury prone than Rob Jones was when he came into the club. Mm. So I, I personally, I'd go. Steve Staunton was brought in as our missing link as a centre back, right? By Roy, when he was brought back oh. in by Roy Evans, right? And Steve Staunton. 
almost made my favourite 11 as a left back right and he's going in as a centre back into my worst 11 <laughs> because he's single handedly the defence got worse when he oh came in there's, there's, there's actually a plethora of centre backs you could pick here um, Pellegrino he, he turned like a statue he was just awful <laughs> he really was but uh, Sammy Hoopia credits him with actually bringing the team around in terms of understanding how to play his own American under Rafa so I'm I'm going to give him a pass on that basis that he actually explained how to his only mark, um, and then at the last shout, I'm I'm putting Rigobert Song in the bin as well with with, with Steve Stanton, and that was a centre back partnership I think at one stage on the pitch. Really so I just nice. uh, I just uh, Rigobert. I about Stanton actually, he was nearly <laughs> as bad at centre half for Liverpool as he was as Ireland manager. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going for them because he actually covered off the, all the, the logical options. So I was just going for a couple of left field and Stanton and Rigobert Song are in yeah. the bin. My my boy eleven. That'll do. That'll do. Right. Let's move on to a review of the games which have. Um, Taking place recently, uh, Hull uh, followed by Oldham. Now, the discussion around Oldham is going to be sketchy at best with the uh, bizarre lack of coverage. So let's talk about our, our, our uh, various issues in relation to Hull, mostly, I suppose. Uh, Stephen, can I ask you what you made of the return of Stephen Gerrard um, in terms of performance and affecting the team and that kind of thing, and, and what what you could see anyway? Well, I suppose he came in for the last half hour uh, mm. against Hull and. You know, it's it's very hard for me to judge him in the sense that he was coming back from injury. So yeah, you know, he wasn't going to be as sharp as he normally is, <laughs> and even that isn't the sharpest. Let's be honest these days. But um, you know, I, I just think he, he did look laboured when he came on um, against Hull. You know, it's not like he came on and, and made things tick and, and made a difference for us. If I'm honest. Mm. Um, but it was good to see 30 minutes under his belt. At this moment in time, we're losing players to injuries and there's no harm in having your captain back. And I think we've all spoken about it over the last while, having horses for courses. Yeah. Um, and I think that's absolutely the case with Steven Gerrard. I think we've seen what a, a midfield trio of, of Lucas, Allen and Hendo can provide. Mm. Um, and I think it is far more dynamic. And I but think isn't the crappy thing, Steve, that we're not going to see... Uh, you know, because of the injuries, we're not going to see Stephen coming back and being deployed where we'd all like to see him, which yeah. is up a bit further. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, you know, I still think that could be done because I, I've, you know, I've always said I think Lucas and Hendo could provide the the access in the the two in the middle, and and Gerard pushed on, and and that little bit of responsibility taken away from him in terms of following the marker, and 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 you know what Hendo did, or sorry, what what uh, Alan did for Hazard's goal against Chelsea is what we've seen. Um, you know what we've seen happen. You know to to Gerard so many times. Now I didn't get to see. I only got to see some Canadian extended highlights of the old game. <laughs> That's what I managed. I managed thirteen okay, minutes. Okay, okay. I, I I watched the whole game today. Right. Um, and noticeable in the first half was that Gerard was playing at the back of the midfield with um, Hendo and Alberto playing as a playing as the favoured one and a two. Right. Right. When he makes the change at half time, he pushed Gerard right on um, into an attacking role. And and this this thing that. I actually think, it, I, and I've I've been a detractor in terms of Gerard playing in that defensive midfield role. And mm. again, Brendan said in the post in the post match press conference that he thought the movement, the, the the passing was too slow and the movement was too slow that went on around the actual game. And I thought it was very interesting that he didn't leave Gerard in that bottom part of the midfield and shifted him right up. I, I think the penny may have dropped with, with Brendan that actually Steven Gerrard's best football can still be delivered in the top third of the pitch because there was a noticeable um, 
quickening of our attacking verve in the second half of the mm. actual game. Um, obviously, you have the Coutinho brought in as well. But mm. I, I, I thought for the first half, without without being under any serious pressure from Oldham, because at the end of the day, they're the bottom of the of, of League One side. Um, I didn't think Gerard looked particularly. Um, in a different league to, to to what he was playing against. Now, there's an element in the defensive role. In the defensive role, but again, when he pushed on, he started. He was on the ball more, and he was put. He was pro- pressing probing probing. those yeah, passes. Yeah. yeah, and uh, they left Lucas more or less. Lucas and, and Henderson. Henderson was able to become was was literally able to ship from when we were in in uh, offensive role become a, a, a second attacking midfielder with Gerard and when we were when they were countering against us he was the one that was in beside Lucas because of the engine that he yeah, has in him yeah, that he's he, able to get up he, and down. We know that about him by yeah. now. So, I, like to me, I, I thought there was a there was an element that maybe suddenly. Brendan has looked at this and, and said, well, OK, we'll try it. it. It tried and it looked like that Stephen had, uh, has an awful lot more to offer further up the pitch, which an awful lot of people have been saying. And that's not a vindication of anyone. Like, uh, so uh, anywhere you've read and anywhere you've looked and anywhere people have talked, they've spoken that, that they'd prob- in all probability like to see Stephen Gerrard still play as, as an advanced midfielder mm. or even as one of the three on the right-hand side of, of, of a three up top. I don't know about that. Like People have said that and I thought about that at the beginning of the mm. season. But the more I've seen his legs go to an extent mm. I think you need a lot of I think you need a lot of covering ground in that top three as well if you're going mm. to give Suarez the licence to do what he wants yeah. you know you need someone like Hendo or I, where I, Ster- like Sterling has been breaking yeah. his balls and that's something yeah. I actually wanted to come to with Phil because of the Oldham game not getting to see an awful lot of it I saw as I said 12-13 mm. minutes of highlights um, and a few of the reports that I read actually gave Sterling a little bit of stick you know they said he, he didn't have the best of games but from the 12 for 13 minutes I saw he seemed to be the one Hendo played some absolutely smashing balls into him you know cutting the, cutting the ball between the centre half and the, and the left full into Sterling and he was down those channels and creating chances and chances and chances from what I could see in the highlights now I don't know whether that's just them picking out the best bits maybe you can tell us Phil having seen the full game no, I, I thought Sterling started off a bit slow for the first 20-25 minutes if I'm being totally honest yeah right? no absolutely I, 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 I don't know when the highlights were from yeah mm-hmm. and like having watched the game and watched it, like it's bizarre you, you see say the Twitter commentary going on or you read the post-match review and then when you actually sit down and watch the match it doesn't necessarily play out the way you've read it like, yeah, do you know what I mean yeah, um, yeah, I think half the fucking journalists aren't at the game honest mm-hmm. to God I, I was Sterling looking, was fast and Suarez was good no no but, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. but Steve I, 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 I looked at the first 10 minutes and there's a moment at, at around the 10th or 11th minute that you actually see Victor Moses go from having a decent start in the game. He was actually uh, direct and attacking wise in terms of getting on the ball and looking to take on the players. There's a moment in the tenth minute, tenth or eleventh minute, where the ball is played in. He goes to back heel it to Sissoko on the left hand side of him. He makes complete arse of it, and the crowd all have a big jeery shout, "Hey!" like that, right? And it was almost you can almost instantaneously see the head go in the player himself and bringing it back to. He just didn't give a fuck then for the for the rest of the game. Got the old fans having a jeer. No, no, this was the whole stadium. Yeah, you know, and I think that is bad form. You know, I do think it is bad form, even from our own fans. If but like, I'm, I'm the first but, one to say I'd give him a jockey back yeah, yeah, to, to look, Chelsea. But I, I know, I, I know, we're coming on to Moses in the agenda. Yeah, we'll come back all, to that. Sir. All I'm saying is that it, it's interesting when you actually watch the game as opposed to reading the reports. Yeah. to actually see, and the, for me, there's only been a brief mention of Gerard's role changing from being at the bottom to being. In the attacking role, mm. but in real terms, the game sort of hinged on that change. And that I, I don't, I think you could have actually not necessarily brought Lucas on 
if you didn't like, and and it wouldn't have made any difference. I think the big the big bit was to free Gerard up and play him higher up the pitch because it, it gave us more attack. And he pushed Hendo back to doing the job that Gerard yeah. was meant to do yeah. with the legs that he has, and left Alberto and Gerard up there. You, you could have got you, away with it. You could have done, yeah, you could have done Alberto Gerard and put Hendo in and not having to bring Lucas. And then on. we wouldn't have to finish it, it would, the game with you ten know, men. I, I just think, I just think there was. Mm, yeah. Look, let's try to get back on message here a little bit. Uh, I, I'm, I might under, to understand then, Phil, as the only person around the table who's seen the whole bloody match, that there was an actual discernible improvement and it went through Stephen Gerrard in terms of the quickening of the pace that Brendan spoke about. I wouldn't say it went through him, but he was part of the improvement, if you know okay. what I mean. Okay, right. Well, now let's move sideways then and keep this same issue here and talk about Alberto and why he was taken off because Brendan cites the pace of the game. He cites the way the, 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 he, he said it was tactical and he talked about this, the, the pace of the match and, 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 and the toughness and the tackle and the tirishness and all that kind of stuff. That's what he stressed in his post-match presser. That's why he said things need to change. He didn't single out Alberto, but that's, you read between the lines, that's what he's saying. Here's a, here's a question then. In terms of the Alberto substitution and talking about how Gerard may have positively impacted the game by moving further forward, mm. did he negatively impact the game by being the person who should have been setting the pace for the team in that, you know, more defensive of the three if he's playing in that well, uh, playmaker role that's that's the one that's meant to be keeping things moving dictating yeah, I, the I, tempo I, I, like I, again I don't I, I'm not getting I, I, I'm, I'm the force to get on his back when I think it, it's merited to get on his back mm. but I, in this instance I don't I think an awful lot of it was that you've got a you had an 11 players who have, for are at various different stages of fitness because we have to remember this is Gerard's first start back since mm. he was injured mm. um, and in a way he was feeling his way into the game as, as in as much as players who haven't played for a while the likes of Aspas the likes of Alberto were feeling their way in as well I was very disappointed that when Alberto was taken off mm. genuinely yeah, so ex- sorry, I ex- wanted ex- to see 90 ex- Explain that to me, because from, from the extensive highlights I saw, which, which were wonderful, I think we saw about 30 seconds on ITV, and it was all Alberto. It was all Alberto. It was one entire move. That was, uh, that, that was the one shot that they showed yeah, in the first yeah, half. That was the one <laughs> shot. He palmed it away. <laughs> Explain to me. But listen, no, honestly, I was listening to the match. He seemed to be involved. No, honestly, everything that was good that was happening in the first half was going through Alberto. Henderson's passing range was off in the first half. Alberto was the one that was getting on the ball and he was probing the, the Oldham team. He was he was making himself available all the time. He was prepared to go to, to turn on the ball, create things that's gone. He does lack pace, right? Mm. You can see he lacks pace. But you could you could all like in that role if he's able to get up and down down the pitch, what he brings to the team in terms of a creative ability to to, to open up defenses. It wasn't he, you could see from the the passing etc that was going on. Um, it, it's definitely one. It, it, I'm just confused as to why he why he was chosen. I can understand why Moses was chosen after ten minutes his head had gone right and and you could see it with that. But I, I was I was I, I couldn't understand why you take Alberto off. Mm. Brendan did something similar against Wigan at home last season yeah. where I thought Suso started the match really well mm. but Brendan wanted more control kind of further back yeah. and he brought he brought Suso off after something that. like half an hour yeah. Suso was the only one really who'd come close to scoring or creating anything and he, he pulled him off there uh, to I think he put Henderson on didn't he and mm. he put it and it kind of like it did work out we went on to win the game was fairly, the 3-0 fairly win comfortable. was it? yeah in, in terms of it's exactly what you said it looked that way but I, I, I for the life of me I just don't understand it because of all the players that we had on the pitch in the first half, Alberto was the one that had put the best stint in and looked the one that was a bit had a bit more class than, than everyone else. And if anything was going to happen, it looked like it was going to come through Alberto. Now, whether whether it was to facilitate moving Gerard higher for the forward that he took Alberto off, 
um, and didn't feel that because Alberto isn't necessarily the paciest that he could afford to have Alberto and Gerard because it would maybe leave Henderson overexposed. I don't yeah. know, but I, 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 that could be the only only logic I can see there. But even still, I don't think Alberto is that slow. If you well, know what, what I mean. What was his pressing like? Alberto's pressing in, in that side of his game. Again, they didn't have to do much pressing because, th- to be honest with you, Oldham didn't pose much of a threat. In the first half, mm. whenever they, whenever they attacked, they were easily defended against. The balls won back. We weren't we weren't carved open. We weren't giving up chances. Most of the chances happened in the second half when we switched around, um, and we were one 0 up. And to be honest with you, when, at, at one 0 Oldham have three or four reasonably good chances that that, that something could have happened. Up. Yeah, they could have brought it back to one all. They had a fair shout for a penalty, which the manager said after the game. Jones made a couple of really smart saves, um, and uh, like. I, I thought in a way Lucas might have actually been a bit more shown up in that second half because Oldham seemed to be able to bypass him very quickly and very easily um, when they countered which seems to be a weakness that we've had right the way through the season that we've touched on a, a lot of times and that's not getting on Lucas's back maybe he just struggled to get up with the pace and he did create give us maybe a, a quicker moving base to, to, to operate in terms of getting the goal in the first instance but yeah I, I definitely think I think Alberto was a bit unlucky to come off if, if I'm being totally honest mm. uh, I suppose moving on to someone else and a, a different a different area of the pitch uh, James you might have uh, some ideas on this I, I'm not sure how much you got to see uh, of the game uh, yesterday but basically we've been talking a lot about Glenn Johnson of late and let's be honest his form has been uh, poor to miserable um, Kelly came in I think his first start I, I saw him interviewed today I think he said in 15 months which is remarkable um, and he, you know he did nothing wrong and again from the limited stuff I could see he seemed to do he seemed to be quite effective um, is there any chance uh, that we see him start the next league match, do you think, James? Um, well, if ever there was one that might suit putting in a lad who's six foot three at fullback, it's probably Stoke away. Yeah. Um, in in as far as you know, they, they play a different way. We'll get on Stoke in a bit, but they play a different way under Mark Hughes. But they they still got a lot of big lads who attack the ball well. Um, but I don't know with Kelly. You know, I mean, basically, you know, I've long felt that really we've got a lot of options at right back after Glenn Johnson, but none of them are particularly good for different reasons. I mean, I was in terms of the game yesterday. I, I watched kind of the highlights on on double speed fast forward because I couldn't be asked sitting through all ninety minutes of a, a fairly mundane performance in which we we did what we needed to do. But I mean, Kelly, yeah, he seemed to do all right. But you know, it's baby steps for Kelly in a minute, isn't it? It was his first start of the season, yeah. and uh, he just about got through ninety minutes. Um, mm. You know, in terms of what what his place in Rogers' plans is, you have to look at the fact that he's missed out on the bench at times this season in favour of people like Brad Smith, you know, and and people like that, and um, and uh, centre backs who can't play fullback as well as he can when you know primarily as, as a senior player he's been a fullback. So I don't know. There's not really that much in the way of competition there for Johnson. I mean, I, I was at the whole game and I actually. Contrary to what some people thought, I didn't. I thought Johnson was a bit better then, but I wouldn't really take that as any kind of indication of a return to form because one, it's at home, and two, you know, a fairly toothless whole team on the day is a different proposition from the teams we did play. So, mm. no, I, I don't. I don't think Caddy does offer. You know, I mean, Rod Rogers is a manager who can surprise you with the players he picks on the basis of form and attitude. You know, you look at Flanagan getting a look in when none of us thought he'd ever put on a Liverpool shirt again. Um, so maybe there is that possibility, but to be honest. I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think he is particularly strong competition. But then, you know, Rogers, uh, it's not unknown for Rogers to surprise us. But um, I don't, I, he, didn't, he didn't seem to sort of hold out the greatest hope for Kelly either, Rogers. So we don't look to have, you know, 
much depth there, to be honest. Well, look, look at look at the far side of the pitch, James, and the other flank in Sissoko, who we also wanted to talk about briefly. Uh, yeah. uh, he's gotten a, a lot of hammering uh, from various uh, individuals, um, not too far from me, at, <laughs> as, we me. <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> but um, to, to to be fair to the kid, you know, he looks serviceable lately, doesn't he? I suppose that's serviceable is probably the word. Yeah, I mean. He, he, he was all right yesterday, and he was he was okay against Hull. And again, Hull didn't really pose any kind of defensive test. And I think what you saw with him once we were tuning up against Hull is he kind of grew into the game and got a bit more confident and started trying things. Look again, you know, the, the person I was with the game, the, the Hull game. You know, we both picked up on the fact that as we've seen in home games in the past, where we've had Johnson on one side and Sissoko on the other, all our play in wide areas goes through Johnson. You know, eighty percent of it is down the right. Very little is down the left. You know, Sissoko doesn't give you on the ball what Johnson gives you, which when Johnson's actually got his head screwed on, you know, in theory at least, he's a, he's a player who can go either way and he slows past players quite well. Sissoko isn't that kind of player, but he's not a bad player. Mm. I think a lot of the kind of uh, the stick Sissoko got is because he was pretty abject and just didn't look like he was, you know, even awake at times when we were away at Arsenal. Mm. Uh, was was complicit and conceded, at least from recollection, at least the first goal he was very poor and he also he went to sleep when we conceded that goal at the set piece away at Newcastle when when Paul Dummett scored against us but yeah, I got that in for you Paul uh, <laughs> uh, I remember it being your Twitter name yeah, yeah Tosoko was alright I mean he, look, he looks functional I mean would we be looking to buy him in the summer not on current form not on the form he's shown in the last two or three games when he's been okay but I mean uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's probably not as bad as as we thought, but yeah. he's almost he, no world here. It's encouraging, at least, that he doesn't look like a complete liability as of the last two or three performances. He's, he is what he is, though, isn't he? He's a three, yeah. he's a three million pound player, three four million pound player. Like that's yeah. that's what the fee is set there for. And like, if 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 we didn't have somebody else, say, if we didn't have an Enrique or, or you know, if we were reliant to Flanagan or something, it's really tr- like you're signing somebody to add add a bit of depth to the squad. A lot of us will go on about squad depth and saying we've got a good eleven and a whole lot, and then we don't have really much depth in the actual squad. But in reality, we've only got the, the league campaign in, 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 in real terms True. to worry about. So, yeah, I, I think he's as, exactly as bad as I thought he was. To be honest with you, even still, but that's because he was fucking worse than that when he went out and played the few games. Like I remember us doing, we were in Sunshine doing the the preview for the Newcastle game, mm. and boys were talking about, you know, yes, let's get Sissoko in. And then you can go back and listen to that pod, and I'm there saying, I don't know what all this hype is about. We, said, we said that he's probably as mad as Enrique, but let's see what he's about. What's the point in having a player signed and not, and not seeing him? Um, we can get on to that when we come to a lorry later on. I was going to say, <laughs> we've, done, we've done that by paying seven million quid for a centre-half that we still haven't seen. But, but yeah, you know what I mean? I think our whole point was that we were meant to be getting someone at least as good as Enrique or possibly better mm. and we just haven't Steve well nobody likes to told you so merchant but anyway uh, we'll let you off <laughs> just saying lads I told you so <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for that man uh, Phil you wanted to chat about Suarez and basically uh, the amount of kicking he's getting and uh, how long it's going to be until uh, he's kicked into a serious injury um, Chelsea and Hull were two good examples of, of some dangerously bad tackles going in on Chap um, why are refs allowing this to, to, to go on well uh, it isn't somewhat like it's always going to happen. The guy is is is, is a world class player. He's he's unformed the, the best player in the, in the Premier League by by a long long shot, right? Um, what we need to deal with this moment in time is not so much say oh what are refs going to do about it because they're going to do fuck all about it, right? But what we need to do is we need Brendan to, to adopt the same approach that Ferguson did when Ronaldo was being kicked all over the Premier League mm-hmm. and talk about it week on week on week mm. on week and talk about referees needing to protect them and that he's going to be and just bring that sort of whole thing 
to 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 fruition that this fella is being kicked out of the game and he needs extra protection because teams are coming out and targeting him and it needs to be reinforced. Like he's been so long fingered as the antichrist of English football. He's been he's the, the bastion of diving. He's he's all these bad things incarnate in one person in English football. And all of a sudden, English football has woken up to the fact that actually this guy is in the top five players, if not the third or our second best player, given that Messi's out injured at the moment in the world, right? And has a realistic shout of going to a different level that we've never seen in a, in, in, in a Liverpool short in at least 20, 25 years, right? And it's now down to Rodgers. And he's been really good in terms of his, his presses and in terms of the way he deals with the media. Now it's time for him to turn the screw and get that that sort of real PR thing around him needing protection. Referees need to protect this guy. He's been kicked and teams are actually now setting out to be kicked. When he came on, he came on the 77th minute. At one stage, he gets an elbow off a fellow. I, right, I, I, yeah. I don't know what his name is. He got a blatant elbow across the face. Now, even yeah. if he dives, right? The fact your man threw the elbow, it's not even addressed. He got, he got a free kick out of it. I got a yellow, didn't he? he, got, he, got, he yeah, but like, the man got the yellow if for he it, used, so. That's bollocks if he uh, used No, listen, it wasn't Stephen, an elbow. If, if it wasn't he, an elbow. It wasn't. He threw the elbow back. He threw the elbow back. His face. He threw the elbow back. Elbows are elbows are a red card offence in my book, and that's not fucking on. That's going out. That's that's purposely. He comes straight on the pitch. There was a fella off the Norwich team last season did something similar to him as well. He's been targeted now. You could see in the whole game they basically took turns to kick him off the ball. They basically just. Oh, listen, I'm not. I'm not sticking up for people. I'm saying I don't think that was a deliberate. I, 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 can elbow I can guarantee you, going to Stoke this weekend, he will. He will be. He will be victim. <laughs> he will be victim of of of, of rotating. Yeah, or yeah. Or of ro- no, of rotating failing the same way Pulis did in Anfield the season yeah, before last. It, we, we know this is what's coming. Now, what we need is the pressure. Rogers should just re- revolve his whole press conference around protection Suarez needs at the weekend. Phil, I saw you uh, agreeing with with myself on, 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 on something I was saying. No. Basically defending... No, I didn't. Yeah, no, I know it's rare. <laughs> but basically defending, defending Brendan for taking a stand and saying what he said about the referee. He got an awful lot of abuse, as usual, from Reds about that. But I was quite happy to hear to see him just weighing in with a strong opinion. I, I didn't see any problem with it at all. I don't see why people were whining about it. it for me, Rogers in, in, in so much of the way he's now dealing with the press has grown up in terms of being a manager and in, in, in terms of look, he's almost swallowed the Ferguson book in terms of how to deal with the press and how to try get get the press on his side and and, and have the media um, message that comes out about Liverpool being dominated by the message that he wants to put out there and the story that he wants to put out there he's going to go in he's going to get a fine he won't get a touchdown ban for this one right but I'll be amazed to see Lee Mason referee another game for us this season and if you want to ask me that's job done in my book that's mm-hmm. job done right. That's, that's essentially it. Let's just skip through a couple of points here because we do need to cover another few things. Paul, could I come to you on this? Victor Moses. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> we, we could talk a lot about this. We could talk a lot about this. I'm just getting a still. <laughs> <laughs> we, could be, we could be needlessly abusive, but we could, let's just try and keep some sort of a lid on it. Is, Look, the kid seems to be worse than even Downing was. He's uh, <laughs> the Nigerian Downing. Wouldn't we be much better off with jo- Jordan Ibe there? It, yeah, maybe. And the worst thing about it is that he's like he's basically his Chelsea career looks like it's nearly over. So Liverpool was his big getting a loan of Liverpool was yeah, his big it's chance. His, it's his chance. Like he just doesn't give a fucking that's, shit. That's what I can't understand. Yeah, that West Ham it. game where he came on and he was like he was atrocious anyway, and then he did the <laughs> pass. The worst pass in yeah. the world. Yeah. But, but his attitude in that, and like, it hasn't improved much either recently. Mm. Like, I thought his attitude was going to be similar to Daniel Sturridge in the, in the sense that, you know, Sturridge came in, saw it as his last chance, it was, it was hyped as his last chance, mm. and by God has he taken it in the last 12 months. Now, I wasn't expecting that level 
level of thing. But I've never really rated Moses, honestly. Yeah. You know, I never saw what the hype was. He scored a couple of decent goals for Wigan, got his big move to Chelsea, was pretty much in and out, or mostly out, and got a couple of, you know, important goals for them as well. But still, by most standards, shit, you know, and or, or not very good. Let's let's call it as yeah. it is. A mid table. He'd look decent for a mid table team if he was playing week in week out. You know, yeah. S- similar to the yeah. next Charles and Zogbia. You know, that's what he was. He was he was he was the next step on from Charles and Zogbia. But but you know what I mean? Why we brought him in first of all is just baffling. I'm just watching. Oh no, you know what? I'm going to step back from the microphone. I was just going to say that's this is turning in fast, turning into another told you so from Steve there, which is nice. Well, I, 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 I never fa- told you so on Moses. I, I, I tell you what, I'm not going to fashion a defence for Moses because. So much of the stuff that he can't. No, is, is indefensible. And I, I'm not going to right, but I will say one thing: the guy had had showed some level of ability last year at Chelsea when when Benitez was in charge, yeah. right? And he seemed to play him in a certain way that seemed to suit Moses down to the ground. For me, the mismatch here is that the way Moses wants to play the game is not the way Brendan Rodgers wants the team to play the game, right? Mm-hmm. And you can even see he was he was picking up the ball and just running straight lines against Oldham, right? And you're looking at it saying, you know, on one stage he ran and he ran out of play. He reminded me so much of a physical Mark Walters. That's the best way to describe him. Mm-hmm. Just a, a bigger, more physical version of Mark Walters. And Mark Walters used to frustrate the bejesus out of me by getting the ball and running straight over the over the boy line um, and nothing ever happened. Uh, like, and and he, he genuinely ran out of play twice. He got you know when he was at Chelsea, he got a good bit of play under Rafa, and Rafa seemed to use him as you know one of those kind of hard working wingers rather than you know someone someone really kind of classy like, and it, it seemed to work like reasonably well. Like I, I when we signed him, I thought like that's mm. it's okay, it's like you know a good squad player, but like no, I just don't want him anywhere near the team. He just doesn't look yeah. arsed at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. His head annoys me when it comes out. His oh, head actually, annoys yeah, when I see him stand up and he puts on that jersey and he stand there shaking the legs out because there's seven minutes left in the game <laughs> and he's really going to get into it, and then he just. <laughs> goes on I'm just like get off you twat we'll just go with 10 you know what I mean <laughs> fuck it <laughs> lovely <laughs> last thing I wanted to speak about then was in relation to the amount of crocs we had leaving the match yesterday the injury to Agar um, James what are your thoughts on this I mean th- does does yesterday's game prove that really <laughs> I know it seems a bit cynical but we should be using the cup competitions as like basically a chance to run out the reserves until we get a little bit further along quarters semis that kind of thing um I mean, if we end up missing out on, 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 on Champions League football because of injuries like this, I mean, does that not make the point? Uh, what point is that? Sorry. Because of the. I'm basically asking you, James, do we look at the Cup? Should we be looking at the Cup, given our priorities this year, as something basically an opportunity to play reserves and kids? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the the one that's hard to fathom with the selection yesterday, and I mean, I said this last week when we were previewing the game, and then I, I said the same when the team came out. Um, why doesn't Elori play? I mean, the only I, mean, I said this last week, I kind of preemptively said, is it because we don't want him to be cup-tied for the benefit of whoever he may go out on loan to this month? Well, um, I'd, uh, w- you know, would him being cup-tied have kind of been, been a, a, a deal-breaker for anyone we might be loaning him to? We, we, we don't know. Um, if it was, I don't know whether I'd prioritise it that much, to be honest, because, you know, you look at it now, we've started Daniel Agger. I mean, from the sounds of it, actually, you know, it's only, it may only be cramped with Agger and, and with Sacco, you know, he may well be all right, but there's nothing to say Agger couldn't have broke his leg yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, my feeling was with one centre-back injured out of the four senior ones, you know, I didn't want to be risking two of them on the same pitch, basically, in a yeah. cup game. Mm-hmm. That was my attitude to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we ended the game with 10 men and, 
we pay seven million pounds for Thiago Alori. I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a starter straight away, but if he's not going to get started against a team that will be happy to stay in League One at Anfield after four months to train with the squad and get acclimatised, hmm. when's he going to play? Yeah. Um, and yeah. again, the other aspect of that as well that I want to say with Alori is, um, is, is, you know, basically the other thing about this is it's not like that. You know, if they've got that big galoot Matt Smith still there to sort of terrorise the guy and give him a massive culture shock, mm-hmm. I'd maybe understand a little bit more. Not that Agus particularly good in the air, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's gone to Leeds and, you know, they didn't look particularly potent and they were never going to kind of get it as at Anfield in the same way as they did at Boundary Park last year. So that was the thing I didn't understand. I mean, otherwise, the selection's fair enough, although I'd rather, you know, I'd rather we didn't need to send Suarez on to see the game out, but yeah, then that's yeah. probably a reflection of the lack of depth we've got. But, um, and again, the other, the other, one of my other reservations this summer was we were a central midfielder short. We only had four central midfielders. That's not enough. And that basically meant that with one injured in Allen, we couldn't, we couldn't properly rotate in midfield. We had to put two very important central midfielders into the game yesterday, which is a risk. Yeah, well, my, my my take on it, and, and I don't know if, if I, I genuinely do not see the need to play any force teamers in the in the cup effectively. May, okay, I'd say one or two in, in in the actual cup rounds till we get to the semis at least. And if we don't, if they're not good enough to get there, so be it. Our focus has to be the Champions League this year. It has to be getting into that top four. If we don't get into the top four, I I like. I can't see all the teams being as shit the, the, next year. Like I can't see Spurs being as crap, right? Because yeah. Sherwood will have his eventual come up and United will be. It's, Moyes isn't like Moyes is, is unlikely going to be there at this time next year as well, right? So even if he is, they're not going to have the same run of results. No, they've so had this season. if Moyes will be out of Old Trafford with his task having me all pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> and his charity shield, manager of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> Which guy? Yeah, just uh, as well on that though. Like you don't want to go out in the FA Cup like to you know someone like fucking hold them. And it's it's mm. the same. The, the next round, like the next round we have, is an easy team again. But that, so that gives me, the way I look at it is we've no excuse to kind of go out. Like you know, mm. if, if a Premiership team, like, even a, maybe a good Championship team, knocks you out, then okay. But mm. if we like, like, get knocked out by was it Bournemouth, Bournemouth or Burton, yeah. yeah, like if we get knocked out by one of them. But Paul, I can't. And, and this this is why I. I, I I, uh, this is why I, my thing is to, is to play the resi, right? If we can't beat Bournemouth, if if if, if those players can't beat Bournemouth, right? Then it's a fucking disgrace. Yeah, I see where you're yeah. coming from, but it, it could happen that they they wouldn't. And, and the, if, the, the, the shitstorm that goes with it, yeah. when you get knocked. But out we've had them. some great players. We've had some great matches over the last season and a half in the next gen. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. And. Those teams, you know, the teams that we've put out in those games should be able to go out and beat a Bournemouth or, yeah. or a Burton. Yeah. Never mind the lads that are just not quite able to get into the first team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I know where Phil's coming from on this. And if more than two or three first team players, if we're still in contention at the next round of the FA Cup, which is what, three weeks' time, four weeks' time? Especially the next round. Yeah. In the it's, next round. Merseyside Derby is two exactly. or three days after, after, the, after this game. If mm. more than the, the, two or three of them are involved, then it's. I want to see. I, 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 I want to see Rogers and I want to see Pascoe playing in this game, to be honest with you. I want. I, I, genuinely, we if we need to stuff Everton in the Merseyside derby, right? And 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 that to me, like go, looking at at the, this FA Cup, yes, it'd be great if we got to the final. If we get to the semi, even if we get to the quarters, it's only three games to win a cup, right? I'm saying, okay, all in. Then if you want to, if you want to, if you want to throw your eggs in the basket and say it's only another three games onto the end of the season, mm. fine, right? Mm. But at, at this point in time, when we're well in contention for for having a, a pop even a, a title challenge at this point, right? We've got a, a great chance of getting Champions League football. 
look, let's not fuck this thing around. Let's just focus on, on getting yeah. into the Champions League. I don't particularly care about winning the FA Cup. Neither do I. I, yeah, I and, and even don't. when it comes to it's only three games, there are three games for some of your star players to get injured. I, uh, mm. Look, Steve, I'm just saying, if, yeah. if, if, if you want to, if you, even if you if, if you really want to approach it, that's when you start looking at the FA yeah. Cup. Yeah, you no, you don't give a bollocks about it on the fifth round, fourth round stage for me. No. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm loving the idea of giving Collie Pascoe a legitimate reason to wear shorts. <laughs> you know, that's brilliant. Fine set of legs. Happily exit the cup watching that. Mike Marsh will probably still do a job at left wall. Marsh, <laughs> right, okay, let's move away from our, our uh, review then and on to our next section. Okay, joining us now for the preview of the Stoke game is our good mate Molly from Beyond the Cop. So let's start that Stoke preview then. Um, basically, the revolution that Mark Hughes is carrying out at Britannia Stadium. I mean, we must be all giddy with delight and feverish anticipation of a, a repeat of the 1970 World Cup final. It's going to be this beautiful football. Yogo Bonito, I think you call it. So, Who's going to be in and who's going to be out in terms of the Liverpool eleven that starts? Um, Paul Brown, any particular ideas on who you think might be uh, in or who might be out? Well, it's a bit of a crapshoot with the injuries that we have at the moment. Mm. Whether Agar or Sacco, we feel like we could end up with Skirtle and Torrey at the back. And um, again, like we were talking about right back, uh, I'm not sure if Rogers would take a punt on Kelly mm. against Stoke away because mm. he he's, he hasn't looked like he was wanted to play him much recently. Like yeah. Um, midfield well Luke I think it basically picks itself almost it does, Lucas yeah. and Henderson yeah. and then Sterling Suarez up front and would you go with Aspas? Yeah well that's that's the interesting question I think that's the interesting one in terms of the op- options that are left um, uh, but you, 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 in terms of the people at the back I mean what happened to all our love for Colo Toure I, I don't know anyone else but I was just so chuffed to see the kid on the pitch I love that run towards the end of the whole match it was right at the very end did you see that where he ran, ran into the right side of the box uh, pinged the ball in went for a return pass and then fell over his own feet <laughs> I was both enthused and pissing myself laughing at the same time the guy I love the look on his face when he had to make it all the way back to get back in position and he was like oh bollocks oh bollocks oh, what? <laughs> but it was so earnest as well I mean you can't help oh, but love no, the kids absolutely. You know? if everyone was fit probably my start and centre back parent would, probably, would be Sacco and Torrey like yeah. if, if we could manage that like, so. and, and yet there seems to be no sign of that no, no uh, really uh, yeah. well, fucking Skirtle seems to be un- undroppable at the moment yeah, yeah. No, matter, no matter what he does so and if Agar's injury isn't as bad as people are saying that it's it's going to be not such a bad one, and then he it's it's looking like Skirtle and Agar, is it? Yeah, well, yeah, that 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 does kind of come a cropper against big sides as well sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, regularly, regularly. So, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm more of a Skirtle and Sackle fan myself. I, I think they are. are. Yeah, like I know you mentioned Corey Tor Tory there, and I'm sure he's a great personality to have at the club. But I know I've seen him. He's all heart, I give him that. But he's just a bit laboured for me. Right. You know? And, okay, a skirtle there, he, he could give away a penalty at any stage, no doubt about it. But I've noticed the past couple of weeks where, you know, teams have split us apart, and you can see him sprinting back to make that last-ditch tackle. Mm-hmm. I ain't seen Torre doing that. You yeah. know? Yeah, well, uh, there, would there not be an argument, Molly, at the start of the year where Torre was... I, I, I think you'd agree, pretty impressive, uh, and Skirtle was out of the team, that, you know, maybe it's a lot more to do with reading the game properly. Uh, I think, did Skirtle not make an, a, a rod for his own back with an awful lot of those situations in terms of his positioning? And then, yeah, granted, wonderful slide tackle at the end to defend the, 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 the attack, but is it, is it does it not come down to the fact that Toure might be a better reader of the game, perhaps? Well, you know, it's, it's a good question, and it's a pity you can't mix more and have Skirtle have the... Be able to read a game like Tora can, and have Tora have that bit of pace the Skirtle has. Yeah. So, either way you go, you're you're going to have either one, 
Torre just ain't going to have the speed hmm. to keep up with some of these forwards or if you go in with Skirtle he's not going to be able to read a game like Torre has so it's a flip of a coin really I think lads but for me I would just have Skirtle in there I think it's that bit more of a goal threat as well from corners and so on hmm. so that might edge it just for me Does okay. nobody fancy seeing Agar and, and Sacco together? No I don't Why? I no, you know, is is it just because they're both left footed? I don't know if it's something see, you don't never, see. Often. Nobody ever thinks about that when it comes to two right footed centre halves. Nobody ever. I agree. Really, you know what I mean? People don't, people don't ever say, "Oh, they're both right footed." I wouldn't play them together. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's yeah. it's like the sum of their their parts. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those but, situations but where I, you I get think worried. Very poor in the air as well. Mm. A lot of corners that we've conceded. It's a lot of it has been down to Agar being defeated in the air, and I think that's why you need. Sacco and Skirtland there because they're both very good in the air especially against side like Stoke now I know they're playing better football than what's used under Tony Pulis but you know people like Hutch and Shawcross coming up for those corners I'd much prefer to have Skirtland and Sacco in there than, than Agar I, I disagree on that you know in the sense of Skirtle I, I think Skirtle's as poor as mm. Agar in the air mm. I think and the problem with Skirtle is he, he just switches off he spend, he turns it into a WWE fucking wrestling match <laughs> in the box and he thinks mm. I'm going to fucking have a laugh with this fella now watch me mm. throw him around he stops thinking about the fact that there's a ball coming into the box that needs to be Doesn't defended the ball. Yeah, yeah. We, we've we, 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 I've a pen of talking about Skirtle and, and, and set pieces and defending set pieces to be honest with you going into, going into the, the Stoke game for me it's I I, I want Torre and Sacco if Sacco is fit um, because the, uh, early they've been the two most dominant of our centre halves or, or appear to be the two most dominant and they're, they're the least ones um, that are that are likely to get beaten on corners and, and free kicks mm. and James I, I know you mentioned earlier on on Johnson that, that he's coming back I, I, for me I'd put Kelly in in this game see I, I don't see I don't see much in, in the way of pace in, in terms of on the flanks to, to threaten us in, ter- in terms of what, what Stoke have I, I'm looking I, I'd like to get our biggest back four to, to, to counter their, their Pennant and Edrington no. yeah. I, 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 well, Pennant's not fast mm. anymore and Pennant is coming down as substitutes like Asaidi has been their main weapon of choice over the last he few weeks play, and he can't play against us yeah. I think the thing is, though, I mean, what, one point I would make about, I mean, two about the defence. I mean, as I said, I did say Phil earlier, I think if ever there was a time, e- even though it's not the Pulis area anymore, if ever yeah. there was a time you'd think, right, OK, we'll put Kelly in at right back. He's had 90 minutes against Oldham. Mm. You know, should be you know, fully well recovered to play. It's, it's Sunday, isn't it, I think we play him? Yes, on their floor. Should be holding up to it. And if ever there was a time, you might, even if it's just for 60, and if it's, if it's nil-nil or we're drawing late on and we want, in theory at least, depending on what Johnson turns up, a bit more quality on the ball at right back. Mm-hmm. Maybe you put Johnson on then. But, I mean, in terms of Steve's point about why, you know, why would you not put two left foots together? In terms of Agger and Sacco, well, I think we all wonder when, when Sacco came in for a lot of money, and particularly with Agger just having been given the vice-captaincy and it looked like Skirtle was going to go at the time, we all thought, well, how, how, how are you going to put the two of them together? Is Rogers going to play two left-footers together? And I think the reason why, as a manager, you'd perhaps be more reluctant to do that is, as a left-footed centre-back, you're inherently, wherever you, wherever you play, you're generally something quite novel. And what that means is, from a pretty young age, you generally play left-centre-back for that elusive balance in possession of the ball. Um, whereas a right-footed centre-back, because there's a, a, a dearth of left-footed centre-backs generally, you know, left-footed players in the middle of the pitch, mm. will we'll tend to play left side, right side, and be, be more adaptable, whereas a lot of left-footed centre-backs, although apparently Agha's done it for Denmark alongside Kier, is it alongside Kier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, generally you won't have played left, uh, right-sided centre-back as much, and obviously it's, it's a different, you know, you've got to turn the opposite way, attack the opposite post, you know, watch the opposite space and, and so on. So I, mean, I think that's maybe the reason why, but I mean, it's here's, an interesting shout with Kelly. Here's one from left field on that. 
<coughs> with the majority of strikers being right-footed in the Premiership, mm. right, would it not make more sense that it would be natural for two left-sided defenders? Well, how, how often do you get how often do you get a striker running at you as a centre back? It very rarely happens because generally a lot of centre backs get in trouble when that happens to them. Yeah. Teams go you know go out of their way to prevent you know forwards. You, I mean, I see what you're saying, but not then, even necessarily running at you. But if you're well, trying yeah. to, if you're trying to put him, it's, it's easier for a left-footed centre half to put yeah. a, him onto his left foot. Uh, yes. You know, because you're stronger on his right. You know what I mean. If you're standing up as a left-sided yeah. centre half, you're stronger on his right. So it's easier for you to nearly push him onto his bad foot. And if that's what you want to do, yeah. and just it's something that I've only just thought about there now. Not that it makes a fucking blind yeah. bit of difference, but <laughs> just thought I'd throw it out there and try and sound knowledgeable for a minute. <laughs> it's, maybe, you know, it's maybe it's maybe true with with turning more than running. Like turning yeah, no, I was more thinking of putting them on the wrong foot yeah, when they're yeah. about to take a shot or whatever else. Yeah, know? yeah, in that, in that respect, yeah, you're probably, you're probably a fair point actually. Yeah, but then maybe it's just one where. Maybe from Rogers' point of view, it's just one of those where the benefits you might get from that are outweighed by the pitfalls of putting a player on his unfamiliar side if he's very. I'm, I'm fairly certain Brendan Rogers knows more about football than I do. So, well, that's a, that's he definitely knows more than I do. It's a, 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 a close one. Don't get me wrong. Molly, can I bring you? Can I bring you back in here on something that we were speaking about earlier on? And that's the whole Glenn Johnson. It was kind of, we just uh, skip past it there quickly. I think it's a very valid question about whether or not uh, Kelly gets a start. Um, I know uh, the the fitness is thing is an issue, but the kid is big and dominant, and mm. he's good in the air. And let's face it, that's the one thing that Glenn is, and especially on back post. And there's going to be a lot. Of, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of crosses, and there's going to be a lot of crosses to cut out and 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 nod away. And that's not going to happen with, with Glenn Johnson. So, w- would you would you be comfortable seeing seeing uh, Kelly start, Molly? I wouldn't mind giving seeing Kelly have a run. Yeah. Uh, Johnson lately he's been absolutely infuriating mm. it's not even the crosses it's he seems to, to get up to pitch and then stop for, for no particular reason and then just give the ball away mm. and it's happened so many times in the last few games you know and he's been we've conceded a few goals because of it teams are on the break because Johnson's just giving the ball away so yeah I'd certainly give Kelly a run out there my personal choice I'd love to see Ryan McLaughlin finally get a run out there but for mm. some reason it Rogers just hasn't called him up at all. I know he's called up Brad Smith and Flanagan's been giving the go and another few players, but hmm. Ryan McLaughlin hasn't got a sniff yet. And any time I've watched uh, John or Twenty Ones, he seems to be the standout player for me. Yeah, so great. I'd love yeah. if he was called up, but look, that that's not going to happen. It seems. But, no. So if that's not going to happen, I'd much prefer Kelly to be in there. Just see what he has. You know, he yeah. can't hurt one game sixty minutes. Exactly. For even just psychologically, for him to start ahead of Johnson, it might give Johnson the kick up the arse that he needs as well. Because look, nobody's. Like, it sounds like we're, we're taking the hammer out to these lads, but the bottom line is we have to talk about the issues and. That kid's an issue. I mean, as you said, he's an impetus killer in, in terms of the attack, which is his, his strong point, and defensively a bit of a liability. So, um, look, I'll keep you on there, Molly, while, while you're there. In terms of the style that we might adopt, what do you think? Can you see us basically uh, trying to play counter-attack, or do you think we're going to try and uh, push high and maintain possession? And, and uh, how do you No, we'll, we'll go for, for the juggler. Yeah, pretty quick, I reckon, because it seems to be our style of play is first half, absolutely get at, get at them straight away. Yeah, try to get an early goal, have them attack you, and then counter attack. That seems to be the kind of game plan our season really, and I can't see that changing. Yeah, like I, we played Stoke here on the season. I was actually I was actually quite impressed with them because the the push does on the ball. You know, they didn't give us a moment's peace on it. So you, t- t- this is not going to be an easy game this weekend. So I think an early goal is going to be very important for us if we can get one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Paul Brennan, on an, a subject that we spoke about earlier on, and we we keep it brief. It just I'd just be interested to get your take on it. We spoke about Steve, Stephen Jarrod and uh, against uh, sorry against Oldham um, and where he played and the, the changes that were made at half time. How do you see the th- the three people lining up in the middle? Do you, do you see um, him trying Stevie in the front of the three, or how do you think it's going to work? Um, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind that because I remember he kind of started off similarly last season where he was really quiet during games. And he was chipping in with kind of assists, you know, from set pieces or whatever. Mm. But um, like his general play wasn't going. And then on the, the second half, the second half of the season, a uh, he, he kind of really kicked on. His playmaking was really good. But it mm. seems to be the same this season. Like there's there's no tempo whatsoever to his passing. So try and maybe try and let the others kind of let Lucas and Henderson kind of build the play from the back and let him kind of sit behind the behind Suarez yeah, uh, and, and be in an area where you could actually take a chance yeah, given yeah. he's one of the few people that can actually do that for us yeah. um, ok um, Phil did you want to come in on this because I know you love talking with Stephen Jarrett no thank you <laughs> <laughs> no he has to, he has to. What's interesting with Gerard I was thinking he's kind of lucky that Joe Allen got that injury because we were on such good run there with Allen Henderson and Lucas. Yeah, yeah. It would have been Rogers, that would have been a big call for Rogers to put Gerard straight back into the team. It's a disaster, Molly, isn't it? Because we'd like to have seen that what, what yeah, that call yeah, would have been. That yeah. would have interested me to see yeah. what Rogers would have done, what kind of call he would have made. Yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't have to make that call anymore, but that that would have been interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, um, that's so much for lineups and stuff like that. Let's let's move along, I suppose. Unless there's any anyone else got any massive issue that they want to speak about? No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead, James. Um. Put your money on goals from set pieces, either Suarez free kicks or with Gerard back in the team deliveries, because uh, two things, surprisingly, given it's Stoke, according to whoscored.com, yeah. and I've done research, two things Stoke are poor at. The first thing, defending set pieces, and then they're very bad at avoiding fouls in dangerous areas. So, Like us. Because uh, we're, we're, we're good in that respect. But um, and, the and goals thing, They have changed a lot of Stoke because they're, they're good with through balls now. They used to be the worst team in the league, yeah. but apparently... That's the case with them. We need to be cautious about giving away, conceding goals from set pieces. We've, we've done two two nils. We've, we've kept two clean sheets in the trot, which is mm. which is a good habit to get into. There's no point going to Stoke now and conceding one or two from from stupid set pieces and um, by by setting up the wrong way. I'm looking at, I, yeah. Do you know what I'm, I'm? I'm more concerned about what Stoke are going to do to Luis Suarez, and we touched on it in the review of, mm-hmm. of Hull. Like I, I, I can see them just going out just to kick the fellow up and down the pitch, and they'll be instructed to kick him up and down the pitch anywhere outside the last thirty yards of the actual pitch, mm-hmm. so as not to give away frees in, in, in those positions. And they have the right fucking yard dogs to do it as well. Like do you know what I mean? So they'll like try yeah, and wind them up as well, yeah, they'll, they'll try wind them up. They'll have Hoot standing on his chest. You'll mm-hmm. have Shaw Cross punching him in the back of the head. You'll have all types mm-hmm. of things going on off the ball. You know to, to, to try get him to react and maybe bite one of them or kick them or something well, you know, so, our, our, our answer to that should be similar in the sense that, you, that this is a match where you tell Suarez not to drop deep yeah. You tell them to stay on the edge of the area if they are giving away fouls and danger. I, I don't think I don't think you can tell Suarez to go and play somewhere. I think Suarez just goes and no, plays. What I mean is, if you tell him, listen, this is our plan. I'm not saying yeah, you, yeah. you know. You say to him, listen, we want you to be taking balls into feet, edge of the box. Mm. Let's let's they're clumsy, they're big and clumsy. Mm. Let's turn them quickly. Let's make them take you down. Let's let's get our freeze around there and you smash. You know what I mean? That's if if that's our approach to it. I think we can counter the fact he yeah. starts dropping 35, 40 yards away from goal. That is where they'll foul him. They'll foul him in the centre of the park all day long because they know all that's going to happen is a ball will be lumped in or we'll, we'll take... And I have to say, one thing that's impressed me so much this season is the speed at which we get on the ball from a free. 
Mm. We immediately, whoever is being fouled or somebody beside them, it's hand on the ball, look for the pass. That's a good shout, yeah. And you know, it's, 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 it's made a massive difference. Five or six times I've seen the ref pull us back. And that's fair enough, but mm. do it every time. If the ref doesn't pull you back, you have a great chance of hitting the team when they're still asleep, trying to, trying to get themselves sorted. And you're already on top of them. You know, and it's, it's something that hopefully we'll see again at the weekend. Yeah. Get sneaky as well. They kind of surround the ref any time. the game, though, that whole getting fouled and getting kicked and. You know, he kind of revels in it. He, he looks for those free kicks, and oh, he loves you know, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying only that the, that he doesn't he doesn't look for the freeze in the whole lot. I'm more concerned with the, with the way that he's actually he he's, he's going to be targeted by by the Stoke team. Yeah, I, I think that's a good thing, though. You know, obviously, look, we don't want to see him get injured. You know, don't want to go that far. But he he he's kind of player that goes out there in the park and he wants you to kick him because he, he gets up on that. He goes, "Great, I'll get a free kick." I'll move the ball fast. I'll keep doing. I'll get them booked. Next time that's, you do it, they're off. That 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 was our issue early on. Is that they aren't necessarily getting booked because what they'll do is they rotate the fouls around the eleven so that nobody is seen to just keep repetitively fouling the Suarez. Mm. So it's yeah. it's how teams are avoiding getting picking up bookings um, against us. And that's that that, that I know you weren't here for for the earlier review parts of that. Yeah, well, that is a good show actually. Yeah. yeah, that is a good show. It seems to be I fouling first, and then you have your go next time. And exactly. Yeah, and if they if they do do that, like we need to get around the ref and kind of tell him like there was there wasn't mm. enough of that. You know, when when Suarez has been getting the shit kicked out of him, there hasn't been enough. For, like we we need to be getting around the ref and you know having a go at him. It sounds nasty, but we need to do it if the other teams are gonna play nasty with us. Like. No, that's a good shot, and it, it is something that Stevie's gotten better at as the years have gone past. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, he went from being the quietest man in the world to constantly in the ref's ear. Now, in yeah. fairness to the kid, and it's something that we need to we need to see more of. Okay, um, let's get some predictions then, um, Phil Casey. Um, we've never won the Britannia Stadium since Stoke came back up to the Premiership and I have to obviously predict that we, this is going to continue. Thanks for that. Um, James Owens, your prediction? Uh, uh, Stoke City 1, Liverpool 2 and Liverpool will score at least one from a set piece of some of some sort. Excellent. Um, steve Yeah, I'm going to uh, go against Phil's beacon of optimacy. <laughs> um, Do you not know the jinx? Do you not know the jinx? <laughs> oh, I know the That's jinx. what the jinx is, I've right? I've known the jinx a long I'm not, time. I'm not telling you what the fuck I'm I, I, going to I know be. you a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I reckon probably 3-1. And I think, yet again, Suarez will be the man of the moment. I think I really hope to God that Coutinho comes out of the shell he's been in for the last few weeks because mm. takes a few shots his part well, not even takes a few shots you know what I'd actually be happy with him I'd be happy with him passing the ball to his own teammates more than 50% of the time he was, he was actually he was actually very good when he came on the second half yesterday against Oldham it doesn't, would, ma- it doesn't matter it's about it's about building form again, again. of course yeah, this, is, this, this is what we call a tangent gentlemen sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> Paul your, 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 uh, your prediction Paul still don't know what Stephen's score is but I don't know one all lads sorry <laughs> one all okay <laughs> Uh, uh, Molly, uh, three, four, one. It's easy win, I reckon. Oh, yes. Right, I'm going to just get behind that because it's the easiest thing to do. <laughs> right, let's move on to our listeners' questions. Then uh, we're going to start off with one uh, from a man not too far away from us here. Now, this is uh, from Derek Tipping, uh, good friend of the pod, and he asks. Uh, hopefully, you've done a little bit of research in this, gent. What was the worst ever LFC away jersey uh, that you can remember? Um, anyone got any specific sheds on this? Yeah, last year's third last season. Kit. Last year's third kit, okay, yeah. okay, and why was the obviously the the addendum there? 
It looked like a packet of silk cut fags, if anyone remembers. <laughs> <laughs> Another one, that, there was that early to mid-90s one, which was kind of like an or- a goldy orange colour with some weird kind of crap pattern in it. Oh, yeah. no, that was an amazing... Yeah. You know, I actually have that at home, yeah. and it's signed by Phil Neal, Ian, I have about eight or nine people, McAteer, Bab... Do, does that make it a, b- a better kit, though? No, nah, just to me. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just to me. <laughs> Don't give a fuck what you lads think. special to me. That's my special <laughs> kit. It was, on my, it was hung on my wall. <laughs> Kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, Reebok had some fucking horrific shouts. But yeah, I'm, I'm going with this year's tour strip. That black, that is right. purple, white patched thing that yeah, looks they're like as bad as each other. Actually, that's so fucking with the, with the away one this year is a good show as well. Actually, it was <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> the Christmas jumper kit. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. I think a warrior should get an award for the worst away kit ever. Do you reckon they just make nice home jerseys? And <laughs> <laughs> apparently the chief designer of those kits was actually sacked. That was the rumour. I don't know if there's any truth in that, but apparently the person who kind of oversaw the design of those kits was sacked. Yeah, <laughs> With good reason. Did you sack a seven-year-old? He used as many crayons as he could. In the <laughs> no, Daddy, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's probably true yeah. uh, right uh, actually Molly I'm going to come to you in this one because it's all it's, it's kind of transfer related uh, this question is from Ian Armstrong on Facebook he says if you were Brendan you're able to buy a new striker or creative midfielder in other words none of the kind of areas that we said we need someone a new striker or a creative midfielder who would it be just just one player that you could get in now just a, a random shout uh, well, something n- like Bidija I think he's a box to box midfielder he could tackle he can shoot mm. you know, someone yeah. like him I think in the middle of the park would yeah. be ideal in our team ok uh, any other shouts from around the table just wrap Diego it. Costa Diego Costa we just wouldn't need a defensive midfielder if we had him and Suarez and storage up front <laughs> that's right just, fuck it just yeah. bombard them Lump it up. Kevin Keegan style let's yeah. do it <laughs> don't go fuck if you score four we've got six <laughs> <laughs> right a defensive midfielder <laughs> sorry but I just want I want I want I want, I want Javier Mascarano's cloned 20 year old self no you just want to be awkward he asked fucking creative midfielder slash attacker that's okay it's okay it's, it's Phil it's <laughs> Phil it's alright we you know you have we to, make it you, have to you, have, you just have to indulge the guy uh, this <laughs> next Thanks one this next one is from Jules Gilmore and I'm coming to you actually as the crankiest bastard on the podcast Phil for this one uh, as, as, as an old bastard as well uh, Jules asks what's your least favourite of all these items right there's a list here of things coloured boots Alice bands gloves Pattern shaving and demonstrative religiosity. Now, not, I, I think he's left out snoods there as well, which should probably be on that list. Okay, which as, would you go with? As an owner of many coloured boots, um, and I've used an Alice band in my day as well, and oh, I'm a goalkeeper, so I wear gloves. Pattern shaving. Well, you've got your Craig David beard at the moment. So. <laughs> you wish. It's, it's fucking brutal, isn't it? It's not far it's off, fucking, but I tell you what, the hack is. fucking shave this morning, you weirdos. Yeah, but you missed all the bits that make you look nah. like Craig David. <laughs> I go, uh, demonstrative religiosity. Yeah, I, I hate just, it. I, 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 I can't stand it. it. I can't know, stand it. Really? Number one, I'm an atheist, so that's that's a start. Oh, man. Point, point, of the know, sky. point to the sky. And Javier fucking, Hernandez on the halfway line before uh, the match. Get in the fucking bit. Oh, man. The whole lot, yeah. people walking out. You know, the two fingers yeah. in the air. Yeah, hey, that's our Dan. That's our Dan. I don't, yeah. g- I don't give a fuck who. who I don't care who it is. Stop pointing at the sky. The sky points in one fucking direction. It doesn't necessarily mean heaven's in that direction. You could be pointing to fucking hell for all you know, right? We're a globe. Phil, Phil, I know you're a very, 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 very religious man. <laughs> 
Kan det eller? Rolling Next will not stand. Stop pointing at the sky. Stop pointing at the sky. There was actually veins bursting in the man's neck here. It was good to see. Next one up is, I, I like this one. This is from uh, Vinny Leggett on Twitter. Um, and he says, if your sister or daughter were dating a well-known sportsman, which sport would you hope that he played? Now, I presume this is Vincent trying to get at the idea of, of being protective towards your your, uh, your sister or your daughter. So what kind of sport would you hope that he played, steve Give a fuck. Really? Uh, yeah, like sister, don't, don't plan on having any kids and I really don't give a shit who my sister dates. Steve, so. you're being very obstructive for the question. Can you, can you get on message? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, let me think about this. Water polo. Okay. <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the reason there, mate? Where did I come from? Uh, what? <laughs> Honestly, what is that? I'm a mini race chant, isn't it? <laughs> Steve looks embarrassed. <laughs> you know what that is? Okay, we're going to skip on to the next question and I'll explain what that is. <laughs> okay, Steve, thanks for that lovely segue. <laughs> Oh, we're going to skip Vinny's question completely just because you're Formula 1 drivers my answer would right oh is there a reason yeah. fucking loaded alright mm. oh, nice one <laughs> you couldn't give a shit about this sister or daughter it's just you want to hang on yeah I want to make sure that he should be well provided for. Oh, you're a good lad. Uh, anyway, thanks, Steve-O, for that lovely segue there. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, turn off your phone, Steve-O. Steve-O, no, it's off. I Steve-O, had it. turn I off your phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is on mute. I had it on uh, lined up. You're a anyway. fucking mutant. Anyway, <laughs> the question, the question that Steve-O has forced upon us uh, comes from Gray, who's a regular question uh, contributor. And he says, what was number one in the UK charts in the week you were born? Now, we need to go around to everyone on this. So... Jesus, Steve, what do you think it might be? <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there that it was tight fit. The lion sleeps tonight. <laughs> Thanks. I feel like I've heard that recently. Um, pa- Paul, what was what was number one? Uh, Aretha Franklin and George Michael. I can't remember. Is uh, New Year waiting for me? Oh, yeah, so yeah, I did my research. Would earlier, you get the fucking? But are you serious? Yeah. Christ, I was at home sick from school listening to that. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> uh, Phil Casey, what was number one? Knowing me, knowing you. Aha. <laughs> Brilliant. Actually, genuinely, genuinely that, that is brilliant. That was the UK number one. That is brilliant. James Owens. Um, I've just found this out because I've researched it. It was USA for Africa with We Are the World, and I think it was, it was second week at the top of the charts. Nice. The really fucking galling thing for me as a big Phil Collins fan is if they've been born just a fortnight earlier. You would have got. <laughs> Philip Bailey and Phil Collins with Easy Lover, a song which oh. I can both play the drums to and sing at the same time in the style of Phil Collins himself. So how annoying. That's properly fucking tragic, mate. I feel for you. That's bad. Uh, Molly, what, did, did, you, did you manage to get... Oh, I, I easily have the best lads. Go on, uh, go. Staying alive from the movie Saturday Night Fever. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know what it does? Because mine's 10 cc rubber bullets. Sing and play the drums to his song, but I can dance to mine, so... Oh, yes. <laughs> Love it, get it in <laughs> uh, Molly do you possess the suit I wish I did <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can wear driving gloves to mine and wear a powder neck <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ ok uh, right this next one's from uh, Barry Carr uh, who asks what non-LFC books should I buy for my brother and he suggests only two will I get the Beckham book or the Ferguson book 
it's gone very quiet in here. <laughs> Doesn't like his brother's son. <laughs> he's assuming his brother's a man. Clearly, clearly his brother's a man. So, he hates his brother, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does. That's got to be Bex, isn't right. it? Well, I'll be, be honest with you, I'd read either of them. You know what I mean? Like, as much as I despise Ferguson, he has to be commended for the, the amount of trophies that he won. And I think there'd be a decent... Would you enjoy that. reading about that? I can't even watch those fuckers. I don't want to watch them. But, you know what I mean, I, I enjoy reading what the, the psyche behind what his ideas were because they're things that can be repeated and, and, and learned from and whatever else. Jesus, that's philosophical. At least the pictures in Beck's book would be pretty, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's a very good-looking man. He, he draws a lot of them himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the lad from... The lad He's from the one that designed Warrior Warrior Awakening. <laughs> oh, fucking great, okay. And I was reading that, I read that book, The, the Question, I was like, what non C book should I buy from a brother? Obviously, I haven't got to the next bit, so I was thinking I lose for it because it's one of my favourite books, right? Right. And then we got the Beckmore Ferguson, so it has to be Ferguson. Hey, I can see the tie in. That works yeah. well. Next one's from Harry Setti. He says, What New Year's resolution would you make if you could guarantee that you'd be able to keep it? What New Year's resolution would you make? And he shouts on this. My God, look at this. Complete lack. Anyone on the line there want to help out? Stop the tumbleweed. I get less angry when playing football manager. <laughs> James, do you know what? Actually, a, fo- a quick football manager-related story. A mate of mine was was a he's a blue, and uh, he was up playing uh, football manager. He was in his, about his eighth season, and he finally got Everton to win the league. And at <laughs> half two in the morning, when they won, the, they won the final match. Ibrahim Bakayoko scored scored the winner to win him the league. <laughs> I, I think it was I think it was Bakayoko that scored the winner for him to win the league. And uh, he did a handstand in his living room, but it went fucking tits up, and he went right through the glass coffee table at half two in the morning and woke the whole family up. It was magic. It was magic. <laughs> Next one is from Michael Rossiter. He's at Squeaky21 on Twitter and he asks, this is a very familiar question, do you ever think that there will be a, sorry, do you think there'll ever be a boy born who can swim as fast as a shark? Yes. Yeah, an evolution. Of course there will. <laughs> Yeah, you reckon, Molly? Yeah, you think it's only a matter yeah. of time. Well, wasn't there? Th- was this another myth? Well, who was that guy that used to, the submariner to used to go down to the sea all the time, and his son was born with uh, webbed feet? So you know, evolution all that. I'm with you on this, Molly. Web feet or something like that. So I'm with you on this, Molly. Enough time in the water, definitely. There, I was I was in London there a few days ago, and there was a sign up that said. Um, and uh, the fastest seven-year-old in the world now would win bronze at the Olympics in the early 1900s. There you go. So that's evolution in a hundred years. The year, I think it was a, whatever I can't remember the years of the of the Olympics, but it was a specific year. I think it was nineteen oh seven or whatever it was. But they said that that um, that the fastest seven year old now would win bronze at that Olympics if it was run, mm. given the time that he runs at. So that just goes to show you the the, the strides that we've made in a hundred years. I think in two and a half, three thousand years would be. Podcast is also educational. That's, 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 that's why that's that's why people listen, man. That's why people. What a lot of bollocks. <laughs> would you ever think a boy born will swim faster than a shark the sharks will fucking evolve no they're getting slower what are we saying the sharks no, no, no. sharks are getting slower now no, sharks, yeah. why are they fatter are what? they fat sharks it's, are they obese sharks because there's too much crap in the sea it's fa- yeah, it's no unfortunately there's no longer the, the natural selection that there used to be because they're being overfished so whereas the slowest sharks oh, fucking hell this is brilliant whereas the slowest sharks actually used to be eaten because they couldn't get away from their natural predators now 
They aren't. They're just being fished out of the water. So, so they're so fatter they're, sharks. So, so no, basically they're, they're sharks, sharks are getting fatter. Because the, the gene pool is being weakened because the best of the best <laughs> aren't actually staying at the top of the tree. The best of the best. The, the marine sharks. The marine sharks aren't it's, at the top of the tree any longer. That, that actually works. Basically, it's, it's, it's if you don't happen to be... Yeah? With that, with that kind of Darwinian attitude, mate, you should be on like the, you know, the current sort of condemn... Uh, Cabinet in the UK coalition government, mate. Sign me know, up, man. Sign me up. In terms of benefits cuts and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fit right I'm in, all mate. about benefits cuts. <laughs> 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 I'm a capitalist by heart. Right, let's finish off with one question. Uh, this is from Nick at Mersey Boy Red. I'm going to get an answer from everyone on this one to finish us off. Which item of domestic furniture would be a good replacement for Victor Moses? Phil Casey. <laughs> Sofa. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Toilet bowl. A toilet. Is there a reason for that, Steve? Or is it just seems like... They're both houses. They're both shithouses. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's harsh. Uh, Paul? I go with a reclining chair with wheels on it because then Glenn Johnson could sit down and he'd probably get, he'd probably get around kind of quicker. And he could hit, hit the recliner and he'd probably pass better with the, the little bit that comes up. Uh, James Moley, I might just leave it at that. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just going to go with anything of wheels because at least that, that'll actually move. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would say, I mean, does a bin count as domestic furniture? <laughs> of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah, yeah. Back to Chelsea, so he may as well stick him in the fucking yeah, bin, and the bin will be more useful. Wheelie bin. Wheelie bin covers all oh, eventualities. Yeah, well, there you go. Right, to close out the show, joining us from Con Artist Production is Simon Conway. He's going to hear, tell us a little bit about the upcoming Anatomy of Liverpool gig in the Sugar Club on January the 12th. Um, Simon, could you tell us a little bit about the night, um, seeing as we've been speaking about it on the show for a while? Yeah, absolutely, Trev. Thanks for having us on uh, the show. What we're going to do is we've got the two authors of the book, Jonathan Wilson and Scott Murray. They'll be uh, flying in. And for the host, we've got uh, John Keith, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know. He's very much a Merseyside football uh, legend, a 30-year mm. journalist with the Daily Express, written several books and, and part of, obviously, the, the Bill Shankly show. Um, and he's going to have a lot, as well as being the host, I think he's going to have a lot of insight, information to um, several of the key matches that are covered in Wilson and Murray's book. Mm. So we'll open up doors about six o'clock. Uh, we'll have some visuals and footage going, and we'll probably kick off the talk about seven o'clock. And how these nights work is we do them in two uh, halves. So we've got 45 minutes. Uh, we take a 15-minute halftime break into the second half, and then there's extra time depending on the level of questions that come in from the audience. We'll also jump to the audience throughout the show for different questions. So it's quite an interactive uh, night that happens I was, I, was, I, was, I was just going to say that to you, Simon. It's basically, there's a lot of audience participation if, if they are so inclined. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, clearly the, a lot of the audience are there to hear what um, Wilson, Murray and, and Keith have to say, but yeah. we will go to the audience on regular occurrences. We've got two guys running up and down the, uh, the sidelines, our assistant referees, and they're going to have the microphones <laughs> uh, and maybe taking questions. Excellent. But the venue's really nice. It's about two-thirds seated. Um, there's table service there. There's some drinks available. There's a full full bar. And afterwards, what we're going to do for this one, which is a little bit different from the previous events, which was um, the Blizzard, and then also one with Sid Lowe last month. But for this one, we're going to take the, um, the 10 matches which are covered in the book. It's the subheading of the book, uh, uh, Anatomy History in 10 Matches. 
Uh, and we're going to put that out to an audience vote where audience can vote in uh, via text on the night. And it's not one of your, um, you know, sort of X Factor text numbers. It's just a standard uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, 083. And whichever match gets the most votes, we're going to screen that on the night. Oh, now, excellent. Yeah, we, don't have, we don't have two of the games. One is from 1899 against Aston Villa, which uh, obviously uh, was a challenge to get a hold of. Sure. And we failed to do that. Yeah. And the <laughs> second one is the 1947 match against Wolves. But I still think we've got a great selection of eight games there, and, and I'm hopeful uh, that once the talk is over, we will we will set that up a motion. And for people who want to stay and, and catch a nice classic historical, um, you know, kind of pivotal Liverpool match, we'll have the opportunity to do so. Well, that sounds absolutely brilliant. Uh, for for people who are obviously going to be interested, in it, are there tickets still available? So, or? Yeah, so people can pick up advance tickets uh, via the Eventbrite site. That's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E. Okay. Go to that site, do a search for Anatomy of Liverpool. You've got two options. There's your standard entry, which is €12. Euro. Um, for those who'd like to also pick up a hardback copy of the book, you can get a ticket for €30. Euro. So nice discounted price there on your uh, retail price of the book. Uh, and Jonathan and Scott and John will be there signing copies of the book on the night and if anyone got the book for Christmas or picked it up early you know, feel free to bring it along um, and get it signed there the guys will open doors at 6 and for the first hour they'll be in there signing so doing a little bit of a meet and greet in the Sugar Club um, if people would like to get that done so uh, Fantastic and is the option there available there for people to turn up on the night as well? Yeah we're going to have tickets available on the night um, people can keep an eye on Eventbrite um, okay. but we will have tickets available on the door so you know people can save themselves the, the booking fee but just to be absolutely sure I mean the Blizzard event uh, did sell out in advance clearly Liverpool are, are, are a massive club so hmm. interestingness has been really big particularly over Christmas but at this moment in time there are tickets going to be available on the door um, we can maybe put the word out via Twitter or Facebook near the time if that looks like changing um, but I'd say at the moment we will have a limited number of tickets on the door well, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think everyone here is looking forward to it and being part of it on the night as well. So thanks very much, Simon, for coming on and um, telling us a little bit about that night. Thanks a lot for having us on the show. I look forward to uh, seeing you and meeting you guys there on the night as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a good one. The last two nights are really good. And uh, we've got some lots of nice monthly events lined up for the rest of the year. So if you let people know the Twitter handle, that's at con underscore artists. Mm-hmm. If people sort of uh, follow us there, they'll be able to keep up the speed on some very interesting upcoming football events throughout this World Cup year. You're a gent. Thanks a lot, Simon. Pleasure. Take care, gents. All the best. Thanks. Okay, the winner of our competition um, to go and see Anatomy of Liverpool in the Sugar Club was... Phil, could you help me out here and give me the name? Drum roll, please. Yes, let's go with the drum roll. Adrian McEnany. Adrian McEnany. So we'll be in touch with Adrian uh, very soon and getting him on his tickets for that fantastic night uh, that you've heard about earlier on there um, I want to mention Astro Park uh, you can check them out on www.astropark.ie I want to mention the fact that there are two divisions of leagues starting up um, here on on site for experience and club standard teams and also social and company standard teams so you should get in only 40 uh, euros per game and get involved um, Moly site beyond the copper carrying a transcript of last week's Rob Jones interview if anyone would like to read that and your day trippers tonight were Phil Casey, Stephen Daly, Paul Brennan, Mr. Moley, James Owens, and myself, Trev Downey. It's been emotional, and we'll see you next week. 
150 years of Children's National Hospital, 150 years of groundbreaking research, of exceptional healthcare for kids, of helping families like mine and yours. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org/150years. That's childrensnational.org/150years. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside, and some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package, but that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated, and right now Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Sports Social Podcast Network.